This is Tim Bryan, pastor of Lifeway Apostolic Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this message will inspire, build your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy this message. I need to share some things that the Lord has shared with me. I waffled on allowing the kids to go, but the kids need to hear this. Kids need to hear a word from the Lord today. Young people and kids, you need to hear me. I want you to pay attention because what I'm about to say will change your life forever. I said it will change your life forever. The most important thing is that you could ever accomplish in this world is to be in God's presence. I said it to be in God's presence. That's, that's, when we get to heaven, where are we going to be? In God's presence. That's it. We have all these wonderful things we talk about and describe in heaven. But I'm not going to see the streets of gold. I'm not going to see a gate of pearl. I'm not going to see the crystal sea. I'm going to see the one who made it all. I said I'm going to see the one. Do I have anybody with me right now to say you're going to see the one who has made it all? I'm going to see the creator. I'm going to see the healer. I'm going to see the savior. I'm going to see the great I am. The alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end. My God, that's who I'm going to see. Yes. But guess what? I'm not going to wait till I get to heaven to be in his presence. I want a little bit of heaven down here. I want a little bit of Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. That's the ending of my message. Now I'm going to give you the beginning. God has, and through my own intellect, I have confused myself. I have debated and thought in my mind, And I ask God to forgive me because I've allowed my mind to compete with my mind about the direction of this church. And I have fallen into a place of carnality, not sin, but carnality, thinking that I could somehow in my mind make up the right formula for revival. And the Lord has chastised me to a place of prayer. And he said, young man, it's not about you. It's about me. Now, this is not revelatory. We all agree with that. But sometimes we get in our own way. I said sometimes we get in our own way. And I, I, I feel as though that I felt so awful that I have gotten my own way about building this church. And I was sitting and I was praying the other night at home in, uh, in, in my office on, on, on Thursday. And maybe it was, it was Wednesday night after church. I felt like Jonah after Nineveh, sitting by a tree. And I felt, and I had a little bit of pity party. How many's ever had a pity party? But God said, you can mallow and go around in your pity party if you want, but I want a revival. And God began to show me, and he said, uh, and I am not one for preaching conferences. Many, I, I, I love going to some of them, but I am kind of worn out about preaching conferences. There's a Mark conference coming on. I'm just being real with you right now. And I did not want to go to Mark Conference, but God told me you need to go to Mark Conference on Friday morning. And I thought about taking a few uh, people with me, calling a few people, and, and the Lord said, no, really, you need to go by yourself. I said, all right. So I went down to Mark Conference, and I didn't know who the speaker was. I didn't know what was going on. But I knew the Lord had a word for me for this church. God was going to prepare that. So this is birthed out of prayer, out of hearing a word from the Lord. And God's speaking to me. God had spoke to me that we have shared many times before, and I didn't know, and I had, did not know how to execute this. And our vision, if you will, for this church is to what? To know Him and to make Him known. Now, I have proclaimed that in the pulpit. I have felt that in my life. But the Lord had to show me in Scripture what that really meant. And I, I want to share this with you today. And what it really means. And if we're going to be, and I believe we are going to have revival. 
God will restore a work in this place. This will be a place of victory. This will be a, a light, like a city set up on a hill for this community to see. It broken down, the Lord broke this down into two facets. To know him and to make him known. Matthew chapter number 16, verse number 13. When Jesus came unto the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but who say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and says, and thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he to his disciples that they should tell no man, somebody say no man, shall charge no man that this was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how the scribes, uh, or how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders. Somebody say suffer. Of things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again on the third day. But then Peter took him and began to rebuke him saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. Let that sink in for a moment. So many times we'll seek after the will of man, but not the seek of God. There is something that has to happen. Ah. I hope I can preach this the way I feel it right now. To really know him, to really know Jesus, is to allow him to die for you. I told you this is just. Some of us say, I'm not worthy of him dying for me. I'm not worthy of salvation. I'm not worthy that Jesus would die on the cross. There are Peters who said, no, I'm not worthy. You don't need, I'll take your place. There's too many people that want to take the place of Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, there is only one that can save you from your sins. And that is the death of him. And he is the one who has died for you to know who he is. I'll show you what I mean by that. Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. When we walk around in our carnal life thinking we got all the answers for God, the Lord is looking back to us and say, get behind me. That's what the Lord told me. He said, Tim, get behind me. He said, to get behind me. I'm glad he didn't call me Satan. But he said, get behind me. He said, watch and see the salvation of the Lord. He said, you've got your agenda, but I'm going to show you my agenda. My agenda is I got to go to the cross. And guess where you got to go to? You got to go to the cross. It's going to get gooder. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up. Mm -hmm. His cross. And follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Mm. Uh -huh. Go ahead with your agenda. But the Lord says, you need to die. The Lord says, you need to take up your cross and follow me. 
For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what man, what for what is a man profiteth if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You go ahead with your agenda if you want to, and you will find yourself losing your own soul. But I choose to pick up the cross and follow Jesus. I choose to deny myself and pick up the cross and follow him. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father, which his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of, Cam- Son of Man coming upon in, in his kingdom. The words that I want to take away from this scripture as a whole is upon this rock, I will build my Come on, say it with me. Upon this rock, I will build my church. What is the rock? It is the name of Jesus. And I'm not going to get in the way of going to the cross. And I'm not going to get in the way of God dying for my sins. I'm not going to get in the way of God purchasing salvation for me. I'm here to tell you today, Jesus has died. And I accept the power of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Hang with me here. Philippians chapter number 3. I'm not going to read all these scriptures for the sake of uh, just getting to my point. It goes on. Let's start at verse number 1 and then I'll, I'll bounce around. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of concision, uh, for we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Let me tell you today, I have no confidence in my flesh. I said I have no confidence in my flesh. I said I have no confidence in my flesh. Some of us are living and trying to lead our families in the flesh. You cannot lead your family in the flesh. You have get, got to get in the spirit on the Lord's day. Go back to the cross and say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. And count it all blessing that you are in his presence. Verse number seven. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Ye doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is the law of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ and a righteousness which is of God by faith. Here it is, that I may... Uh, that I may know him. I said that that I may know him. I said that I may know him. I'm going to say it again. I that I may know him. What is the driving point of this church is for every family, for every home, for every father, for every mother, for every child to know who Jesus is. Okay. Well, how do I know him? Uh, that I that I may know and be found. Let's go to that verse number ten. That I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and in the fellowship of his suffering, being made com- comfortable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. We're getting somewhere. Brethren, I count not myself to be apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. What we do, we press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. All right? What are you saying, Pastor? Saying we got to know him. There was a there was a centurion next to the cross 
Jesus was dying on the cross. He looked up unto them. He said, surely this must have been the Son of God. There was a revelation of who he was. There was a revelation. Peter had a revelation that this was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Joseph, in Matthew chapter number 1, Joseph, the, the father, if you will, of Jesus, had that very same revelation that said this is the Son of God. Truly, this child is of the Lord. I'm here to tell you today, when we get to the knowledge that we are willing to fellowship with the Lord in the good times but also in his sufferings and saying Lord I love what your spirit is doing in me but I will count everything in this world for loss for to gain you today Jesus just to be in your presence today Jesus I will forsake all the carnality I will forsake all the sin I will forsake all the addictions I will forsake all the bondages Lord just to be in your presence I will give up everything to walk after you to find to know him is to first accept the death of the cross the death burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ let's go to Acts chapter number one so we understand that the death, burial, and resurrection, I'm going to be very plain, I'm going to be very truthful, I'm going to be very honest right now. In order for you to make it to heaven, you need to repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says it declares by the speaking of other tongues. That's what the Bible says. That's not what thus saith Tim Bryan, that's what the Bible says. In order way to do that, you got to agree and understand the power of the cross you got to accept that Jesus died for you to have the death, burial, and resurrection applied to your life. The Bible says that Paul was writing to the Philippians that I would, uh, would agree with him in the fellowship of his sufferings, that I would know him who died on the cross, that I would press towards that mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There is an evidence that we have got to be a church that is focused on salvation that's focused on repentance and baptism and getting people filled with the Holy Ghost or God filling people with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. So we have, in order to know him, you have to know him through the death of the cross. Somebody say the death of the cross. Somebody say he died for me. How many are thankful for the death of the cross, that Jesus died on the cross? If I preached repentance and baptism in Jesus' name, I would say 99% of us would agree wholeheartedly with that message in this room. Now, I will say this. There are probably some people in this room that don't believe you need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven. I'm going to come against that spirit right now. You need the Holy Ghost to make it to heaven. I said you need the Holy Ghost. You cannot be led by the Spirit unless you're filled by the Spirit. You feel the drawing power of God in your life. That is the Spirit of God drawing you. And where is he drawing you? To repentance. To be baptized. To be filled with his presence. But too many people are saying they're led by the Spirit, but they're not filled with the Spirit. You are not led by the Spirit if you're not filled by the Spirit. God is leading you unto repentance, unto salvation, and then he'll lead you into the presence of God. You cannot make it to heaven without being filled with the presence of God. I believe we're in a congregation that believes that here today. And I would love to teach you a Bible study if you don't believe that. And I don't have time to go in through all that, but that's where we are. We believe in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have water right here. We'll baptize you into Christ. And we'll believe that God will fill you with the Holy Ghost by the power of speaking in other tongues in the name of Jesus. That's the first death. I said that's the first death that we have to come alignment with, if you will, in this church. Acts chapter number 1, verse number 4. And I wish you to bear with me. I want you to listen. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. 
Luke 24 talks about this, and then also Luke, Luke 3. You can go back into that scripture. And for John truly baptized you with water, but she, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know. There's some things that are just not for you to know. The times of the seasons which the Father had put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. In other words, you're going to be fruit to me. I said you're going to be fruit to me. You're going to be fruit. You're going to show some fruit. Um, shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and into Judea and into Samaria and the othermost part of the earth. And I've preached from this multiple times. And, and, um, but let's read on just a little bit. And when he had spoken these things, while they, be, they beheld, he was taken up and the cloud received him out of their sight. And God rocked my boat just for a moment with this next couple scriptures. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. I and I'm going to take this a little bit out of order, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about why God spoke to me of this, this scripture. Is there are many people that believe in the power of the cross and were stuck gazing. And you have felt God draw you and say, hey, what are you doing here gazing? I got more for you. Some of us are stuck in a place that we can't get out of. And the Lord is telling you to quit gazing, quit watching everybody else. And you yourself need to submit to go. Follow my word. So we have some people in the kingdom of this world and in this church that are stuck gazing. Lord, I, and I, can, I, can I just be real transparent? Is it Okay. Um, I understand the significance. I, I really do. But some of us are stuck gazing at a gold cross. Stuck gazing at the death. But let me tell you, I don't want to just stuck, get stuck gazing at the cross. I thank God for the cross. Don't misunderstand me. I thank God for the cross. We talk about we celebrate. We have got to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection. But I can't stop there. And I went over like a lead balloon. We can't stop just gazing at the cross. Now what? What are you going to do now? Well, the Lord is challenging this church to take another step. Take another step. Holy Ghost. Or I, I love looking and seeing what God is doing. And I want to thank the Lord for consistently what he has done for this church in the last four and a half years. We started with seven people. That's not to glorify anything else but God. We started with seven people. And now we have at least 100 people that say that this is their church. Not everybody shows up. I'll leave that for another message. Not everybody shows up all the time. But you call, you call me pastor and people call this their church. It's time to stop gazing and start receiving. I said it's time to stop gazing. Time to stop gazing and start receiving. Some have got it in your mind that the Holy Ghost is not for you, but the Bible does say that Peter said unto them, repent. I'm just going to go there and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, you say, Pastor, it's not for me. Well, let me just read on. For this promise is unto you.
you know what? We get stopped. We get gazed at Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and we stop and we start gazing. We start gazing, and we are, we are professionals at pulling out one scripture and woo! There is a whole book here. Because the Bible always reads on. Sometimes we stop at a comma, and there's more for you. Sometimes we stop at a semicolon, and there's more for you. Sometimes we stop and we go, well, that chapter was for me. But if you just read the next chapter. I love conjunctions in the Bible. I love words that says and and but and, and, and hereafter. Because the Lord says, yes, there are times of suffering. But Bible says there's joy that comes in the morning. Stop gazing at the suffering and start receiving the joy of the Lord. Isaiah said it seven times in the first couple chapters of Isaiah. He says, woe unto me. He said, woe, or woe unto you. Excuse me. He says, woe unto you. Woe unto you. But on the eighth time, about the second or third chapter, he says, but woe unto me. There are some things that what we got to do is get off of gazing about woe unto you and woe unto you and say woe unto me. Lord, what do you have for me? What do you want to show me? What do you want to express to me? The Bible says, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost somebody needs to stop gazing and everybody else receiving and you need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost because the promise is unto you I said parents the promise is unto you because the rest of that verse is for your children and unto your children and to all that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall well it's just for a generation no or just for the children. No. Well, it's just for that place. No. Bible's Bible says, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He's called you to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Talking about a death. I said we're talking about dying today. Let me just say this. I was... Uh, Friday night, the last three nights, I've put a fire out back by the, uh, and I have this little old fire pit, and I like to put some fire in every once in a while, and we'll sit out by the fire, and I begin to sit out, and my dog is a goofy dog, if you ever met our dog, he's, I apologize, if you've met our dog, he likes to jump on people and headbutt people, people go down to pet him, he jumps up and wham, he just, he's just not a smart dog. Some of y'all in here have been headbutted by our by our dog. Um, our dog likes to drink out of the toilet, so don't lick him. Don't let him lick you. He's just he won't drink out of his water bowl. He's not a very smart dog. I don't know where he got that from. I, my kids don't drink out of the of the, of the uh, toilet bowl, so I don't know why they do. There's no example for that in the house. And I was outside by the fire pit, and our dog. We come home on a Wednesday night. Every time we come home at night, he stands by this little table. And on this little table, we have a little tray. And in this tray, we have a little laser. This laser will shine 300 yards. It's an, it's an incredible laser thing. I don't, my wife got enticed, and some salesman got a hold of her and said, you need this laser. And, you know, she, was, she had the appetite of a laser, and she was at the Cover Bridge Festival. And this guy was a good salesman and sold her two lasers. Where the second one is, but we have one that's in this tray. And at every time we come home from Wednesday night service, or it's dark outside, the dog, he's smart in this that he loves that laser. So I was outside by the fire pit, and I thought I would sit there, and I had my Bible, and I was shining this laser, and I sit there in the yard, and, and I shine this laser on our backyard. He chases that thing. He'll bark and chase, bark and chase this goofy laser. And uh, our other dog's a little smarter. He will only go after the laser if it's in about ten feet of him. But Griffin, he just likes to run and chase. 
God showed me something, and I, that, the Lord says that, that point of that laser, no matter how far it is, that, that's, that's revival for you, for your church. Dog chasing a laser. He said, no, that's, this is, you can't, it's dark out. You don't, you don't see how you're going to get to that laser. You may stumble and fall. You may have problems. But uh, it, there's that point that God, I want, God said, I want to take you. He said, you don't know necessarily how to get there. I said, you're right on that. And I was sitting by the fire pit. The dog was running. And I ran that laser through the fire. And all of a sudden, that beam showed up. the laser away from the fire, could not see the beam. Run that laser back through the fire. The smoke had come up, and I could see this red beam of light. God showed me something. You got to go through the fire. I don't want to go through the fire. Fire brings death. Certain things have melt away when you're in a fire. Certain things fall off when you get close to the fire. But the Lord said, if you want the direction for the church, you got to go through the fire. I said, okay, what does that mean? I was this conference on Friday morning, and I was searching for the answer. I didn't care who was preaching. I just wanted to be in God's presence. I didn't really care what the songs were. I just wanted to sit there. I didn't sit with anybody. I, I didn't. I just, I just had my Bible. I was prepared. It's interesting. When you go to the house of God prepared, God will speak to you. I took my Bible. I took some notes. I had a pen. I had a paper. I took my iPad. I was ready to receive something from the Lord. And the minister was up there preaching, and this was not even his topic, but he said something in about five seconds, and God said, that's it. God took me to Acts chapter number 6. Turn with me to Acts chapter number 6. And this is where, this is not going to be popular. Now, I will say this, that only, I'm believing that 100% will, will get this. But I do know. Bible even says that few be that find it, few that will make it to heaven. But I pray, my prayer is that each one of us hear this part of this message here today. Acts chapter number 6, verse number 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose a certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians, and them of Cilicia and of Asia disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom of the spirit by which he spake. So uh, we find that Stephen begins to preach a message. And let's just read verse number 15. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him and saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. That reminds me of Moses. And Stephen begins to preach and begins to tell this, uh, this people that they were trying to dispute him of what he is doing is wrong. We find that this is the longest dissertation of a message or a rebuttal, if you will. This is even longer than Apostle Paul or the Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. This message was a beautiful message. He takes the Sanhedrin, if you will, the Libertines, the Serenians, in the synagogue, and he takes them on a road to the Old Testament. He takes them down a road of the story of Moses. He takes them down a road, and they were not prepared for his good skills of debating. So in the face of numerous accusers, Stephen was endowed with a gift of peace. His countenance radiated with the presence of God. The wording evokes the glowing countenance of Moses when he returned from Mount Sinai, as well as Jesus' transfiguration. I'm going to read some notes from a commentary, so bear with me because I can't say it the way I want to say it. Stephen's response 
to the Sanhedrin is the longest address recorded in the book of Acts and the first from a non-apostle. After establishing the history of Israel from the call of Abraham to his migration into this land, Stephen emphasized that God has spoken to Abraham and directed him uh, and, and when he was in Mesopotamia or the land of the Chaldeans before he journeyed to Haran. Stephen's point was that the work of God and the move of the Spirit preceded and transcended the limitations of the Jerusalem temple and its traditions. The Bible says, or it shows in this scripture, that in God's sovereign purpose, the descendants of Israel had sojourned 400 years in Egypt before returning to the land of promise to their father Abraham. Stephen, in this message, provided a concise outline of Hebrew history that included the rejection of Joseph by his brothers. It talked about the afflictions. He noted that God was with him in Egypt. Stephen's narrative held deeper implications for the elders of Israel, for he insinuated that they were the brothers who rejected the one who favored by God and predicted to the means of the salvation of Israel. He began to speak to them the harsh words of truth. He began to speak to them the things of God. He began to share them the story of Moses. He began to share them the story of the things that had happened in the Old Testament. It goes on through all, and I won't read all of this, but it goes on through Acts chapter number 7. And as it comes to the culmination of Stephen preaching and declaring the word of God, you see, there is going to be a price to pay for declaring the word of God. It's not a popular message in this day that we live. It's not a popular notion to live holy. It's not a popular notion to tell people they need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It is not a popular notion to declare the word of God in these last days. The Bible teaches us up to this point that every time someone stepped out in faith and began to preach and declare the word of God, in spite of the things and the affliction that would come back upon him, the Bible says they were emboldened by the power of God. God is calling his church to step out in faith and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to become emboldened with the presence of God. But it is not going to be without a cost. Uh-huh. I'm talking about a second death. I'm talking about two deaths today. One was the power of the cross. But there's going to be a second death that needs to happen for revival to take place in this church. And when they had heard these things, verse number 54, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. My God. But he... (laughs) being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet whose name was Saul. It's very important. Somebody say Saul. Ah, you know what? When you begin to declare, you don't know who is in the audience. I said, you don't know who's in the audience when God is declaring. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, laid, uh, Lord, lay not this sin to the charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. In other words, he died. Let me just give you a little personal example here. I had a precious mother who died several years ago. And I made a vow to God at that time that I would do a work for the Lord. And when she died, it brought great focus to my life. It brought great resolve to my life. It it, it brought a sense of urgency to my life. 
It brought a sense of, I, I need to do better for the Lord in my life. It, it brought a sense of, of unity to our family at the time. Get it not. Mom passed away on a Thursday morning at 10 a.m. On that Sunday, we gathered together as a family to bind together. It brought us closer together. It brought us closer together in unity in that time of death. It brought us closer together because it clarified the call. It clarified the vision. It clarified what needed to happen in this earth. Well, let me tell you today, when Stephen died, the next chapter happened. Let's read verse number 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at the time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. That sounds like Acts 1 and 8. In order for Acts 1 and 8 to be fulfilled, somebody had to die. They were scattered abroad through the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Verse number 4, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. When you begin to preach the word and somebody begins to die out to this word, we're going to come against people that are going to come against the church. But the Bible is going to declare we may be scattered across, but we're still going to declare the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before the revival can happen of Acts 1 and 8, before the revival can happen, but you shall receive power if the Holy Ghost is upon you. Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Before that could happen, someone had to die. Pastor, I don't want to die. I'm not talking about a physical death. But if that's what it took, got real quiet in here. I said, but that if that's what it took for God's will to be done, I will lay it all down. Hey, Pastor, what are you talking about? This is the key element of revival for our church. This is what God spoke to me. There's got to be two deaths. The death of the cross and the death of our soul. Or the death of our life. The death of the flesh. You see what happened? Stephen's flesh died. Stephen's flesh died, but his spirit rested in the arms of God. I'll go to this side. Your flesh has to die so your spirit can rest in the arms of God. You want peace in your life? Let your flesh die so you can rest in the arms of God. For revival to take place in this church, there's got to be two deaths. The death of the cross, which we agree on. We all talked about the death, burial, and resurrection. The second death has to be our flesh. I told you this wasn't going to be a popular message. This ain't a popular message. Here's how we die. Sin is sin, right? Come on, sin is sin. But let me tell you a little relative next to sin. It's called carnality. Carnality will take you so far. The Bible even says that new babes in Christ are like the carnal because you're new in the Lord. You're trying to find your way, right? So you have to learn. You have to develop. You have to grow in the Lord. And I'm not necessarily talking to the new babes in Christ. Now, you, you need to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. and begin. But those of us been around for a while... Come on, I said, those of us have been around for a while, it's time to shake off the carnality. Die to the flesh so that we can be one with the Lord. That just wasn't a popular message. 
two deaths. And when we die, if you look at the maps of Paul's journeys, Saul, Saul was in that moment. And I'm about done. Saul, Saul, the, 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 the preached message. And then Saul had a conversion experience. And I won't get into all that. He had a conversion experience. His name would change to Paul. His name would change to Paul and begin to proclaim the gospel. And Paul began to preach the gospel where the apostles were not preaching the gospel. So they began to preach the gospel. And the Bible says in Judea and Samaria. But when Paul got a hold of the message, it went to the uttermost part of the earth. You look at the maps. He went to Bulgaria. He went to Greece. He went to uh, uh, Turkey, what we know today. And because Paul had more authority than some other, he could go places nobody else could go. I'm here to tell you today, when God tells you to proclaim the message, you never know who's in the audience about to die out to their flesh. So I'm preaching in this message right now that I'm looking at a group of people and I'm wondering who's going to die out to your flesh. Uh-huh. I'm looking for people to die out to the flesh because I don't know about you, but I want to be in the presence of the Almighty God. I said, I want to be in the presence of the Almighty God. And my flesh cannot be in the same place. My agenda cannot be in the same place of God's agenda. Here's the next step. And when we begin to die out to the flesh and surrender our carnal minds to the spirit and begin to surrender the sinfulness of our life and begin to surrender everything to God, then there will be a fruit that will pop up on a tree and that this community will say that is fruit unlike I've never seen. Because this is what God has shown me. And I close with this story. I asked Nathan, I about called him at midnight last night. He said, you should have called me. He's a tree man. And uh, I'm going to use part of the illustration. I need to confirm another part of the illustration. But a tree. There was an old farmer that had, this is a true story, and a farmer had a, had a tree or had his long driveway. He had probably 10 to 15 apple trees along his driveway. He had them there for shade, for beauty. And they all turned out really good. But there was one tree that was beautiful. There was one tree that was uh, just gorgeous, but it was not bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. All the other trees were not as beautiful, but they were producing much fruit. So, you know, as, as he said, I just doesn't make any sense to me. This is a true story. And a part of this story, I, I, I verified just a little bit, but I began to dig into a little bit more. And, and, the, and so the guy called somebody at the university, and he came out. And he said, he explained to him, I said, I have all these trees, they look great. They have beautiful leaves on them. But this tree is actually more beautiful than the rest, it seems. But yet, it has no fruit. And the guy looked at me, he said, I got the answer. He said, what are you going to do? He said, I'll be right back. Went to his truck. Come out with a chain. And start beating that tree. The tree had to go through something. The tree had to, had to, had to, uh, had to have some... Something had to, it was in survival mode somehow. And so he had to activate another level of that tree. And two seasons later, that tree gave out more fruit than the rest of the trees together. And I began to think about that story. Then I, I was talking to Nathan before church. And I said, tell me about this tree. Is this really true? And he said, I, I can't necessarily verify that part. He said, but then I said, what about this? Then I read another part of a, of a tree. That if a tree stops bearing fruit. It has beautiful leaves. It looks healthy. But you go into inspect it and there's no fruit. I said, I said, now I have read this, so tell me if this is true, that it's dependent on what's in the soil whether that tree will bear fruit or not. It's what goes into the ground. And, and, and if you can look this up, it says if you, there are certain pesticides, herbicides, uh, things that people put in the ground that will keep a tree from bearing fruit. Oh, it will look good. has beautiful leaves. It grows tall. It's wonderful, but it won't bear fruit. But reality, all the tree is doing, and Nathan told me before service, it really what it does is the tree is doing everything it can to survive, but it can't produce fruit. 
It's doing everything that it can in its own power just to survive. But it doesn't have enough in him to produce the fruit. Here's what I'm saying. The pesticides and herbicides are like the carnal things of life and sin. It's time to push that stuff away so we can produce the fruit that God desires. I was reminded of the story. Sister Nicole, if you want to come and play. I was reminded of the story of Jesus. Saying that Bethany was walking to Jerusalem, he comes to a fig tree. He looked at that fig tree. The Bible says that he hungered. <laughs> he hungered, and he looked unto the fig tree, and the tr- tree had leaves, but it had no fruit. And when he saw that tree that had no fruit, the Bible says, from this point forward, you shall never brew, brew, uh, uh, bear fruit again. And on their way back from Jerusalem, they walked by that fig tree again, and that fig tree had died. Never to bear fruit again. Here's where I think that we are in this church here today. Matthew 6, 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon this earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves do break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor dust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He just... No man can serve two masters. For he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. I was told a story last week of somebody in our church that went home. And they began to share the gospel with people in their family about what God was doing in their life. And the person that was in that home that was hearing this other person share the gospel, they said, I began to hate the person. They were my family and my flesh and blood. But because what they were saying about the Word of God, I began to hate what they were saying. And I began to despise what they were saying. And they said, I don't want to feel that way. I said, but that's what the Word of God does. It will cause men to hate the very people that they call loved ones. I... This is going to be a call to prayer. I know I've preached for a long time, but I needed to get this to get this set today. There's got to be two deaths for us to have revival. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook at Lifeway Apostolic Church. May God richly bless you.